We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant the church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. Thanks, friends, and good morning, church. Um, Hey, before uh, we begin, let's go ahead and uh, just pray. It is a Memorial Day weekend. Let's honor our troops. Uh, Let's honor the freedom uh, that we have and um, and just and just praise the Lord together. So if you are uh, in your living rooms, go ahead and uh, grab a hand of your loved one, of your children, and uh, let's let's uh, one more time just go to the Lord in prayer. Good morning, Lord. We love you and we thank you, and we just uh, we just praise you with a heart of thanksgiving for uh, the freedom that we have to worship you. We know that uh, there are challenges going on all around the world, um, but there has been um, many, many people who have given their lives so that we can hear from your word and freedom, uh, so that we can sing loudly without fear of restrictions from above, from government agencies, whatever. And so, Lord, we just, we ask, Your word tells us to pray for peace and to um, live peaceable and quiet lives. And so we we pray that uh, this morning. Um, Would you continue uh, just a a peaceful uh, atmosphere uh, that your gospel uh, may continue to grow and spread? And, And we're grateful, Lord. Use this time now, we pray, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and um, grab them and open them on up with me. And we will spend our time a little bit in review this morning. So um, if you, uh, as you're getting your Bibles, uh, if you haven't read your email or seen the video yet for this week, um, we are excited to announce that on June 7th, we will be gathering back in person. We'll be at the Mainville YMCA, and uh, we are excited about that. Uh, just a little bit of snippet uh, the, uh, so you know what to expect. You know, the, the doors will be open, and you'll stand in line for a little bit, and you'll be ushered on in, and we'll ask you to use hand sanitizer, things like that. You'll be seated in clusters, family units, whatever. And, um, uh, after the service, we'll, we'll dismiss you by families just so that uh, we don't bottleneck at the door uh, so as to honor the guidelines of uh, the six feet social social distancing. Uh, we'll shoot to shorten our service for a little bit and we'll have a, a time of uh, special tr- children's teaching. And if your kids get the wiggles or whatever, we're going to stream our service in the fellowship hall. And so uh, there'll be some great opportunities to just... Um, uh, to just move around a little bit there, and uh, all in all, I mean, it'll be it'll be great to be back together again. I'll have to like 
preach uh, with normal shoes on. I can't like wear my, my, my slippers anymore. So there'll, there'll for sure be some adjustments, uh, but it'll be so good to see each other face to face. All right, here we go. A little review from last week. Um, Constables won last week. They uh, enjoyed some brownies with some caramel all baked in there. Um, but hey, Constables, you guys, you guys have like lightning speed internet it's like 1.21 gigawatts or something so so we got to let other people like experience some victory okay all right so here, here we go five questions five questions number one uh, last week we started off with an illustration um, that i bought a car from my brother-in-law it was a 2006 honda accord and after i was driving it for a little while i called him and i noticed especially one thing about it Okay, so your job, type that in. What did I notice about that car? You remember it from last week? What was unique or special? Go ahead and comment on Facebook Live, and we will see who, who gets it first. I am waiting anxiously. The first person that pops up in my feed. All right, Hartzels, way to go. And the Franks, that was a tie, both at 1021. Well done. Okay. Um, yes, it, it needed an alignment, right? And so last week's message was called realigning, uh, realigning. And so we're asking the question, what is God doing through COVID-19? And it was this call to repent and realign ourselves with the Lord. We got a couple uh, <laughs> Crove. I don't know what that means. And then flex compassion. All right. Yes, absolutely. Great answer. Um, number two, um, uh, we were in Luke 13 and we said God uses present calamities as a foreshadowing for final blank. God uses present calamities as a foreshadowing for final This was some of the message, the, the main idea or the big idea, the timeless truth. As Jesus was answering those questions. Franks, all right, judgment. Coming strong this morning, Franks. Well done. Okay. Paul Allen, in a close second, in a close second. <laughs> all right. Number three. This is fun for me. I just love this. In Luke 13. There were two horrible, tragic uh, historical events talked about. What were they? You got to get both of them. Got to get both of them. What were the two tragic events talked about in Luke chapter 13, 1 through 5? This can be open book. You can check it out. Slaughter and earthquake. Done. Yes, the tower fell. Temple. Yeah. Yeah. So so good. All right. I'm seeing I'm seeing some good answers. There we go. Nice job. Yes. So like in verse one, um, it was brought brought up that Pilate slaughtered a bunch of worshipers in the temple, and then in verse four, uh, the tower of Siloam collapsed. And 18 um, innocent bystanders uh, died that day. Uh, it wasn't 
It wasn't in the, um, this is Peyton, it says. Um, he, Peyton is answering on behalf of the church. I love it. <laughs> um, uh, it, it. It really framed the discussion around suffering and judgment. And through this series, we have been asking um, those questions, and it's been really good, really good to study. Okay, here we go. Um, because of those two events, Jesus' response to the people, uh, he said this, unless you blank, you will likewise perish. Unless you blank, you will likewise perish. He doesn't answer about their situation. He directs it to the people, and he says, unless you Who's got it? Who's got it? Come on, Clarksville folks. Where you at? Mm -hmm. Mason, repent. All right, Morrow, come strong. The Leapers. Good morning, Leapers. Well done. Okay, we might have to continue this when we gather in person. It's just been too fun. Um, yes, nice job, Ratliffs, representing Mainville. Here we go. Last one, number five, a little bit of setup. It says... Um, uh, we, we, we did four statements last week, and the statement number four was this, that God gives suffering so that a strong Jesus would be seen in our weakness. So we briefly studied 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, where it talks about Paul having a thorn, which is some form of suffering for him. And he said, here comes the question, okay? It says, my grace is sufficient for you. This is the reason why, why God was, gave Paul this thorn. He wanted to communicate this message. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in blank. My power is made perfect in blank. Through this, God's power is made known. What is it? Waiting. Awesome. Way to go, Hartzell's weakness. Hartzell's and the Franks. This week, both of you guys, brownies. Well done. Weakness, weakness. Well done. What a great verse for the Christian life. That if you ever feel weak, that is not you failing, but that is God wanting to work in and through your weaknesses so that he would be seen and made known as strong. Amen? Well, hey, this pandemic, we've said this each week, it has brought about a lot of questions um, about God, about how he works, and what he's doing here on earth. And uh, it's brought about questions about his ways, his plans, his characters. And so we're continually bringing up this question, what is God doing through COVID-19? And um, as we study this, we really can substitute COVID-19 for any type of, of suffering or, or trials or struggles, okay? Um, and today, uh, we are answering this question um, by saying this. Are you ready? He's sending you. He's sending you. This today is a message on missions. And really, our time is going to be organized by characters. And so I'm going to, I'm going to talk about Jesus uh, first and his plans, his methods, um, and his, uh, his overarching meta-narrative, his story about what he is doing, what he wants to do, okay? 
And then uh, we're going to use uh, another character. We're going to talk about Stephen in the Bible, found in Acts 8, 7 and 8. And then we're going to talk about his followers. So we're going to talk about you and what it means to follow him, what he's doing now on earth. So I'm excited for our time. Let's get started. Story. So there's two um, Moravian young men in Germany in their 20s. And they heard about this British slave owner that owned two or 3,000 African slaves in the West Indies. They heard about this, this island um, in, the, in the Atlantic Ocean that was, it was bringing in slaves. And this owner was an atheist. And he was totally committed to not let the gospel come on this island. Uh, he said, I don't want any preacher. I don't want any missionary. I don't want anyone to come and talk to us about the Lord. I'm so done with all of this God stuff. Um, and it's, it's quoted, even if a preacher or a missionary or a Christian gets shipwrecked on my island, I'm going to put them in a house and I'm going to keep them away from us so that we won't be able to hear about the love of God in Christ Jesus. I'm done with it. Well, these two Moravian young men heard about the slave owner's attitude. And they prayed, they got down on their knees, and they said, let's sell ourselves into slavery. These two to 3,000 men and women and children, they need to hear about the love of God. We can't just hear about this situation and do nothing. We, we must go. So they told their family and their friends and the whole community came and uh, uh, they came to their send off. And uh, the moms, the dads of these two young men, uh, they were just crying and weeping. I mean, can you imagine just like seeing your son going off in a ship never to return again? your hopes, your ambitions. Maybe the dad was thinking, I was hoping my son would be a lawyer or a doctor or something. You know, maybe the mom's thinking, I just wanted to be a grandma, right? Maybe they were proud, I don't, I don't know, right? But as they were sending them off and as the gap was widening between them and their community, the two men locked arms and they raised their hands and they said what was nearest and dearest to their hearts. They said this, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. I'll say it again. This is what they shouted. This was their parting cry. They said, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Their act inspired this wave of missionaries that went all over the world to tell people about the love of God in Christ Jesus. This movement of missionaries was called the Moravian Missionary Society, and it was born from these two young men's passion and obedience. And this society, these missionaries were known to, um, when they would go and tell uh, people groups about Christ. They'd pack all their possessions in a pine box fitted for their bodies, i.e. their caskets. Because when they, would, when they would leave, 
proverbially, they were saying, we're going and we're probably going to be buried there. We don't know. This parting cry, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his sufferings, became the motto of the Moravian missions. And today, I'd like to use that parting cry to shape our understanding of our reason for existence. This cry comes from Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there with me. Take out your pen, highlighter, and underline it because it is the theme and the heart of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed a people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation. Isn't that a great verse? Here we see that Jesus is honored and is stated worthy to open these mysterious scrolls. He's the only one in the universe that can do it. And it's because of his death and resurrection here on earth. It's because of his work that he is worthy to do this. He is God. and He bought a people for himself. And Peter describes that as that he purchased a people for his own possession. John, the revelator here in this book, notes that the bride was, uh, was purchased by God. And this bride is people from all kinds. Like there are all kinds of people, all kinds of color and all kinds of languages, people from every nation. Uh, that word nation is this Greek word ethnos, which just means people groups. It's, it's where we get our word ethnicity. It's not nations, and so we understand it rightly, nations like we are passionate about geographical maps and mountain ranges and rivers and borders that are written on these maps. More so nations means people groups. So we understand it rightly that Jesus's heart is for all people groups from all over the globe, every people group. So the Moravian missionaries why did they say that when they were leaving? Like, why did they shout that the lamb was slain, that he may receive the reward of his suffering? Why, why word it like that? Why, that? why that to be the parting cry? Well, through Christ's suffering, he bought a people group from all peoples of the earth for himself so that he would receive glory and honor, or in one word, worship, right? And, and this worship is Christ's treasure. He loves it. It's his reward. It's what he's working towards. It's his plan. And he loves it when people worship him. And he will receive his reward. I, I know sometimes it's difficult to engage through a computer. So I'm just going to ask again, what's his reward again? It's that people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, 
will worship him one day. They will be there in heaven on that day. And friends, this is the reward of Jesus' suffering. So, how, how did he do this as recorded in Scripture? Like, how is his work manifested on earth in order to be a reward on that day? Or in short, hey, what's an example of this happening in the Bible? Um, so, uh, first we're asking through one character, and it'll be Stephen, how did that work in Bible times? And then we'll move to, well, how does that work now in these times? Okay, so let's go to Stephen, okay? Uh, turn to your Bibles a little bit to the left, if you were in Revelation, uh, to the book of Acts, and we'll start at the end of chapter 7. The end of chapter, um, forgive me, we'll start in chapter 1. <laughs> okay, so the book of Acts uh, starts out, it picks up, right after Jesus' death and resurrection, and right before he ascends into heaven, Jesus tells his followers a really important statement. He says in chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. And he gives some locations here, first in Jerusalem, and then in all Judea and Samaria, and then to the end of the earth. Okay, that's chapter one. And then he ascends into heaven. Chapter two happens, which uh, we call uh, Pentecost, which by the way, next week is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, side note, I would encourage you, uh, this is going to be our last Sunday where we live stream from homes. Uh, have some people over and celebrate um, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and uh, have a brunch and watch the live stream and, uh, and enjoy each other. Uh, but Acts 2 is where the Holy Spirit comes on, and we see the gospel starting to grow and spread, okay? And there, there uh, throughout the chapters in the book of Acts, we see the writer, Dr. Luke, recording that the numbers are growing in the book of Acts as the message begins to go out. And in our mindset, we would read that and go, ha, well, that means that they're not experiencing any setbacks, like, if the gospel is growing, then nothing difficult is happening. It's just going and going and going, and it's all smooth roads, right? Uh, in our language, in the language of the gathering here in Mainville, Ohio, we would say something like this. Oh, the gospel's growing? There must be no bees in the sanctuary, right? Hashtag 2019. Or we would say, oh, the gospel's growing out and spreading? Well, there must not have been any COVID-19 or any form of suffering. Hashtag 2020. That's how we think here on earth, isn't it? Like, if the gospel's going to spread, there must be no setbacks in an earthly perspective. But actually, in the Bible, we see that hardships, trials, and suffering are not used as a setback for the gospel, but actually a catalyst to move gospel forward. To It deepens people and it spreads the message wider. Let's look at the end of chapter 7, how a seemingly setback in the story of God can, use, can be used for gospel growth. Okay, So I'm in Acts 7 and I'll start reading in verse 59. Here's the story of Stephen, and it's not a cute or pretty one. Here we go. And as they were stoning Stephen, 
he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen's death sounds a lot like Jesus's, doesn't it? There's a lot of similarities. And guess who was there at Stephen's stoning? Let's keep reading in chapter 8. Look at verse 1. Here we go. And Saul approved his execution. Huh. All right. Look at that. So there's Saul, who later comes to Christ. Uh, he's on the road to Damascus. Jesus shows up and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting my church? And he saves uh, Saul and changes his name to Paul, right? So Saul, who caused great suffering in the church, and, and it was a part and witnessed Stephen's stoning, God uses to begin to spread the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. Let's just keep reading in, your, in our Bibles for a second. It says, and there arose on that day great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of, and here's where Jesus begins to fulfill his promises in Acts 1.8. The regions of Judea and Samaria. How about that? Isn't that great? So we have here this movement from Acts 1.8. The gospel begins to grow because of persecution. The early church would say the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church. So God uses Stephen's death as a way to spread the gospel. You and I, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you're saved because the gospel message went forth from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. We can be grateful for Stephen's life. So here's the pattern that we're tracing this morning. We're seeing that God saves sinners through Jesus. And Jesus suffered, and he laid down his life, and he purchased a bride. He bought a people for his own possession, that one day every tongue, tribe, and nation would worship him, okay? And the path that Jesus had to take was one of suffering and death. And then we're seeing that his followers, which we're just highlighting Stephen today, was used to get the gospel out through suffering and death. We got Jesus, we got Stephen, and now let's talk about his followers. Let's talk about you, okay? Um, what we're not saying this morning is this. Hey, Jesus suffered and Stephen suffered. Uh, you, hey, you, suffer. Just deal with it. Suffer for Jesus' name. We're not saying that, okay? That is so void of the Christian life. And you're just ripping out all the richness and the beauty of following Jesus. If you just say it like that. And if, if you believe in that anemic understanding. It's like, it's like taking all the frosting out of the Oreo. You just, you just don't do that, right? Let me share with you one of my favorite verses that I feel like summarizes a key component about understanding Jesus and living and walking with him. Hebrews 4.15 says this, 
for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. It's the great passage of communicating how Jesus is our high priest. And here in this verse, we see the word sympathize. This is a, this is a compound word here um, with the prefix in the Greek that means with, and it's attached to the root word that means suffer. And so here, sympathize isn't this cute little pat on the back and uh, this high and lofty, uh, distant God just, just pitying us in sympathy. What we see here is that God, through his son Jesus, is a co-sufferer. He suffers with us. Listen to the words of Dane Ortland. He says, in our pain, Jesus is pained. In our suffering, he feels the suffering as his own. The reason that Jesus is in such solidarity with us is that the difficult path we are on is not unique to us. He's journeyed on it himself. It's kind of like a doctor, right? This doctor, Jesus, it's not a Jesus who just stands behind the counter and prescribes. He's like a doctor who has endured the same disease. So not only can he pull us out of the hole of sin through his death and resurrection, but he, it's like he can climb in with us and he bears the burden with us and for us. Another like image or way to say it is he's not just this cosmic coach from heaven shouting down tips of how to live. He puts on the jersey and gets in the game with us and helps us. This is our God. And he does it by being with you and indwelling you by his spirit so that you wouldn't live anymore by your own strength, but Christ would live in you so that Jesus would have his reward. That's what he does. That's his plan, his program, so that one day all tribes, tongues, and nations would love and worship him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. So let's talk about you. The question, what is God doing through COVID-19? What we're saying this morning is that God is sending you. Well, how does that work, Newman? How does he, how does he send you? So here's a short story, just to give you a little practical of what it's like in the Newman house, okay? Um, so parents, it's, it's summer, and I'm sure uh, your kids are probably waking up and wanting to know uh, what's happening each day, right? My little Lucy, six, year, six years old, she loves to have a plan. She loves the schedule with her mom and dad and sisters. And so the other day I was waking her up and you know she, her eyes pop open and her, the first thing on her mind is this question. Dad, what are we doing today, right? Moms and dads, have you ever experienced that? I'm sure, you don't even have to comment or say amen. I, I, I know it, all right? And uh, because I was like entrenched in this sermon text and just thinking through things, this was my answer. And parents, honestly, this is what I said. And honestly, 
share this, like say this to your children, like try it out. I know it might seem a little bit over theological, but like, let's make this a part of our language this week. Okay. Here's how I answered Lucy. I said, she said, well, what are we doing today? And I said, well, Lucy, let me tell you how the Christian life works. You open up the blinds, you let the sun in and, and you say, good morning, Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. And Lord, I pray that I would rejoice and be glad in it. And then you pray this, Lucy. Lord, what are the good works that you have prepared beforehand for me that I should walk in them? Lord, what have you got for me today that I should follow in? And would you, would you allow your Holy Spirit to help me walk in them? That's how I answered her, okay? And she was like, huh, <laughs> right? But it's from Ephesians 2.10, and it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love that verse, okay? Now, don't get all fidgety on me, okay? We know that we have not been saved by our works. Good works can't save us, and we know this is true, okay? However, friends, uh, the faith that God gives is a fruit-bearing faith and a work-producing faith. So in short, if you want to remember it, faith works. That's what it does, okay? And especially, this is what we're saying this morning, faith works especially in times of difficulty. When it's cloudy out, a little bit of sunshine is seen all the more, right? And when Jesus shares with his followers and others on the Sermon on the Mount, he uses two dominating images. He calls us salt and he says, hey, you're light, right? Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth. So he's saying, hey, when you're out, when I send you, you're going to be salt in that the way you live, when you depend on me and you ask for the strength that I provide and you live out your faith, Others are going to start getting thirsty because they see the saltiness in you. It's going to cause them to ask intriguing questions. They want to know because you're living a life that is salty. And if uh, and he goes on to say that if you fail to be salty, it's almost like you've lost your whole person, your purpose, the essence of your calling, your life, your sending. So be salt, followers of Jesus. And then he also says that you are the light of the world. Uh, Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. There it is again, good works, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Their influence would be evident, like a city on a hill, like a lamp on a lampstand, not like a light with a bowl or a basket covering it, but shining bright for all to see. And when Jesus was saying these words, it is within, it's embedded, it's in, it's in the understanding that what was happening around them was persecution and suffering. Jesus is saying, be light and salt, especially during times of hardship. Or we would say contextually right now, 
during this time of COVID-19. He's opening opportunities, doors for the gospel to go out. He's using it so that people can see your salt and light. What is often not noticed is that being the salt of the earth and the light of the world in this way was more salty and more bright because of the good deeds were being done in the midst of suffering. Some say that COVID-19 will have lasting negative effects on missions. And to be gracious, I understand where that's coming from. It's coming from a financial perspective saying, the world is struggling financially. Um, giving is down um, across the nation, across the globe. Um, and, and we need finances to fund missions. And there is some truth to that. Um, but ultimately, biblically, we see that through hard times, through persecution and suffering, that the gospel expands and grows and goes out because of the followers following the good deeds in which the Lord has prepared beforehand. Many have, in our local body have lost their jobs and they're wondering what to do next. Many in this area in our country have lost jobs and many are being relocated. What is the Lord doing? Why? What could be happening? And, in, in the book that we're reading together as a church, uh, John Piper answers that question like this. He is loosening the roots to reach the nations. He's, he's uprooting people so that they could be ready and willing and at a, a point of mobility to go out to the nations. He's uprooting people. Do you hear that? And he might be uprooting you so that others may hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that Jesus would have his reward in the end through your salt and light ministry. Could he be sending you to the nations? That's what we're asking. So in short, when suffering comes, we might be thinking something like this. We could do this. Lord, we can look up. Hey, what, what are you teaching me? What can I learn from this situation, right? When suffering comes, look up. But also when suffering comes, look out and ask the Lord, Lord, where are you sending me? Who needs to hear about the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord? What are you doing? How are you going to use me during this time? And that's the heart of the message. Today, talk as a family, like talk to your loved ones. And when you ask the Lord how he could be using this time in your life, like be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and how he surfaces names in your mind and your heart. Like, Lord, who are you sending me to today? What would you have me say or do to those around me? Is there anyone who needs to hear the gospel? Does anyone need a meal? What are the good deeds that you would have me do for your sake? Not to earn your pleasure, not to earn my salvation, but to walk in the good deeds for to bless you, God, and to receive a blessing. Let's not be afraid of that. What are the good deeds that God has laid before you?
It's a great way to live. Suffering is inextricably tied to the gospel. This conversation that we've been having is at the heart of Christianity because the person who suffered the most, Jesus Christ, didn't deserve an ounce of it, not a bit. He was perfect in every way, yet chose to suffer for the sake of you and I, and he ransomed a people for God. And he helps us in our suffering. He helps us so that more people will see the salt and light in us, and that more people will be with us in eternity, worshiping with him. Friends, he is still gathering more, and he is bringing in the fullness of the Gentiles, so that every tribe, tongue, and nation will hear of the great love of Jesus Christ and will be there in heaven on that day to give glory and worship due to his name. He will have his reward. Let's pray. So Father, we close our time and we praise your son Jesus for his work on earth. And we now surrender our lives. Lord, whatever is going on, wherever you're sending us, we want it. We're ready. We want to be salt and light here on this earth. We want our life to count for Jesus Christ. Would you use us even today? Would you give us the sensitivity and the, the awareness, the eyes to see and the ears to hear by the power of the Holy Spirit what we should say and how to say it and when to say it and what to do. And would you show us the good works today? That is our prayer. And we are excited to see what you're going to do in and through us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. The great God who didn't deserve suffering, but willingly laid down his life for us. We pray in his name. Amen. Hey, we love you. We thank you for this time. And um, we're excited to gather with you soon. We've got one more week of streaming online from the homes. And then we'll, we will see each other June 7th. Uh, be looking for emails and videos um, and uh, how to walk with Jesus during this time of transition. Have a great day.